All right, so Matthew 22. I think I heard Jason. Was it Jason? It's like, it's going to be one of those days. Was that Jason? Yeah. Oh, yep, there's Jason back there. Jason don't even need a mic, do it. <laughs> All right, so one of those days in a good way. You know, I know we use that phrase for, oh, my God, it's one of those days, but I meant in a good way. All right, so uh, verse 37, it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now, this is different from uh, spirit, soul, and body. So sometimes we read through the scripture and we'll run through it and we'll kind of, yeah, I know that scripture. Love the Lord thy God with all thy uh, spirit, soul, and body. That's a whole nother scripture. This is saying heart, soul, and mind. So it's, it's just taking you to different levels because, you know, you have the, the package of your heart. You go deeper into the, to, to the mind, which is, uh, or deeper into the soul. And within the soul is the mind, right? All right, so, but the message says it this way. Love the Lord thy God with all your passion, with all your prayer, and with all your intelligence. Love the Lord thy God with all your passion, with all your prayer, and with all your touch. Now, how you be at school and the teacher be teaching, people be passing notes and stuff. I think they passing mints or something over there. So, all right. So, with all your passion, prayer, your communication with God in the heaven realm, and all your intelligence, right? And so we, we spent some time the last couple of weeks talking about different types of Christian. I know we've only hit two and we probably won't get past two today. You know, we'll, we'll get to the, the uh, casual Christian and nonchalant Christian and all of them. I know you ain't probably won't be all that excited about those um, if you discover it's you. But we talked about the committed Christian and the scripture says in Romans 12, 1, uh, uh, it says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. So, so, so highlight that word living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service, the least you can do. So it's saying as I live this life, I'm living for God. And this is where we're not evil. We're not tripping. Uh, I, was, I was talking to a young, young man, uh, Deshaun, uh, this week, and we were just talking about how I told him how I, I was, you know, I was going to church. Uh, I was uh, decided that I was going to be a Christian. Uh, so I talked about God. I mean, I acknowledged him. So if you came around me and you said, God, I wasn't, I wasn't like, I'd be like, yeah, 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 glory to God. Yeah, God is good. You know, I said all the, you know, the, the terms. Um, I stopped getting high and stopped drinking. So that's pretty positive, especially in the culture I was from. Right, so I'm not so so to and the people I played ball with, I was playing in, in the program at the time. All of them was like, uh, "Keith, don't do that no more," or "Keith, don't drink," or "Keith, don't do this." So in those circles, I'm pretty what? Pretty. I'm gonna use their term. I don't think this religion means. For I'm pretty religious, right? And to them, here comes the Christian, right? But if you take the package of Keith Bradley back then and you put him in a church like this. Or a church that's, you know, Bible teaching, uh, Holy, Holy Ghost, spirit-filled, uh, faith-believing church. I, I'm, I'm a babe. I'm, 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 I'm carnal. I'm, I need to get myself together. But if you keep me, 
with the fellas at the time, like, here, here, here come Mr. Christian. Put me in a serious church. It'd be like, come on, man, let's go. We got to take it to another level, bro. We got to take it. To now, you know what the difference was? I wasn't loving the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul and my mind. I wasn't loving the Lord with all my passion, with all my prayer and all my intelligence. God got honorable mention in my life. He just got more mention in my life than the people I was around. But I wasn't presenting myself as a living sacrifice. I wasn't a committed Christian. If, if, if for the most part, I was probably a casual Christian. That's just kind of casual, you know, just kind of, listen, I figure as long as I'm talking about God, it's good, right? I ain't hurting nobody. That was, that's the other line. I ain't out here hurting nobody. Was that an option? If you wasn't living for God, it's to go to hurt people. So if you're not hurting nobody, that don't give you, that doesn't move you up God's chart as a solid Christian. You ain't supposed to be hurting nobody anyway. But I ain't stealing for nobody. That's, that's commendable. But I hope you wouldn't be stealing anyway. See, we can't just be doing positive things and approve ourselves as committed Christians. Because in the world, you don't just approve yourself because you're looking at robbing the store. No, you get approved when you're robbing something. Or you, you, you were thinking about fighting. No, no, you get approved because you're always fighting. I'm talking about you out there wilding out. Right? You get approved for the dirt you do, not the dirt you consider. Right? 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 That's right. Like, like I, when people kind of gave me what I'm going to call acceptance, I'm at the club. I wasn't just thinking about the club. And I was at the club five days a week. <laughs> and the only reason I wasn't there Sunday and Monday, because the clubs wasn't open on Sunday and Monday. Now, now, I still worked a full-time job. I still was going to college full-time. No, I worked over a full-time job. I worked 50 hours a week at a meat warehouse uh, while I was in college. I scheduled, uh, I worked Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the meat warehouse. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I scheduled all my classes. I'm a college basketball player, right, and I'm at the club five days a week. See, because most of the clubs, when the, while they're clubbing, you know, it didn't conflict with the hours. <laughs> You know, because we'd be at the club maybe from like 1 o'clock in the morning to the next day. Well, until I had to get up. I, I used to leave the club, catch the mass transit, and get to work. I, and she said, when did you sleep? I rarely slept at all. I.e. drugs. Right? So I rarely slept at all. I was, I was up all the time. So, so now, mind you, I was, I, I, I was uh, uh, I'm going to say, killing myself because I used to get these excruciating headaches. And then back here, I don't know what the muscle or whatever it is back here, but it was going numb sometimes. I used to be, especially when I balled, because I had to come up out of the, the uh, intoxications to focus on basketball. So I still played from what they were telling me at a high level. And they used to go, oh, Keith got a headache now. He's about to ball. Otherwise interpreted, I'm killing myself, but I'm still getting props and praise. But my point I'm trying to make is, who doesn't get sleep? Who spends all these hours at clubs and stuff like that, still going to work and stuff like that? Who, who does that? Somebody that was committed to living that life? 
right? You said committed passion. So the interesting thing is when I decided to live for God, I'm, I'm telling you my philosophy. I say, like, hold on now. I was all in when I was out there. All in. Like no compromise, no plan around. I was like, I can at least be all in for God. And people would, oh, you missed the holy. Well, you can call me what you want. But I was embarrassed at times going to clubs. I was in a club one time. We had a little thing where we wouldn't hang our coats up. Uh, I'll I give a shout out. It was Club Zanzibar. We, wouldn't hang we, did, we were veterans. We didn't hang our coats up because when coat check time is when the time we, re we could really have the dance floor. So the people that weren't used to coming to the club, coat check, oh, they, they out now because they got to go get their coat. And we like, so we would tell all the DJs, ah, yo, spin this, yo, spin that. And then we, we would dance. But why didn't we go to coat check? Because our coats were stuffed in, in where the speakers were. So I had this $125 coat, winter coat. Dance all night, go to get my coat, my coat gone. I'm out there dripping wet from dancing hours in the freezing cold, walking to the bus stop. But guess what? I was willing to do it. Why? I just went and bought another coat. See, that's a committed. What I'm saying is, why when we come to the kingdom, we, we, that's the only time we adapt and don't take all that. Fa tradition, family tradition. You're there every time the family doing something, even when you don't feel like it. Even the people you don't even want to tolerate. It's like, well, I got to go. You, you're committed to making sure you comply to whatever they're doing just so nobody talks about you. No matter what, you do that. But with God, I don't think it'll take all that. Why, why does it take why, why do we have to do that? See, see, that, see, see you, you too holy. We were never too worldly, but we too holy. Wow. <laughs> it's just, I'm, I'm just, I want us to have perspective. And I know everybody's different, but I lived this life. For uh, this way, no, actually, I live this life now because it worked. <laughs> it's real. But I'm saying when I started that, I said, "Hold on, I can't just bail out because there's a couple of hurdles." I wasn't bailing out when I was when I was in the world. I mean, you go out, the, you, you go out. This BC days, babe. But you go out, you trying to pick up somebody. You know, you ain't picking up nobody every time you go out to the club. You going home by yourself a lot, but you're still going back. Like it's, it's not discouraging you. You still, you still got you know you still got your little numbers. You trying to you know you still doing all that. I saw commitment. No matter what the humiliation, I saw commitment. And every like some of you guys, oh, we're gonna do that. We can use business. Some of you guys will sacrifice God for all these business ventures. No matter how many times you fail, you're still doing it. The people in sales will tell you all day. They get a lot of no's. But I, I, I notice they get up early in the morning. Hey, if start to do this. Do this just to, just to parallel with God. Look at the hours you spend talking to people and line up how much money you made that month or that year. Line up all the hours that you put in and line up how much money you made and then break it down hourly. Some of y'all going to be mad. Because when you look at it, you'd be like, man, I made like $3 an hour <laughs> when I line it all up. But sometimes what we do is just to, 
just to comfort ourselves, if you get the $10,000 check, you go, yeah, see, I got $10,000. Yeah, but how many hours did you put in before you got $10,000? Triangle, I mean, line it up. And then that's your hourly wage. But you're willing to, to, to get your $3 an hour for that one $10,000 or $25,000 check, but God got to give you results every time you sit down. Nobody else does that. But God, if you don't get results this week, oh, see, so God ain't, no, no, God ain't, God ain't real. But I'm telling you, that's, that's the whole thing about committed passion. Committed passion is God said he'll make the crooked way straight. Have we ever gave him an opportunity to really do it? See, now, now we say, yeah, I was waiting for him to make crooked way straight. In your waiting, were you committed? Were you doing all God told you to do? Now you can look back and expect. But if you're not doing all God told you to do, how many times, like this is the other thing. Sometimes we're so God, okay, so I'll use this because I don't talk about it a lot, but I'll talk about it because I want full service, right? You want to give everybody everything, right, Lou? I right, so sometimes financially, God says what? He says, you bring your tithes into my house, test me, what? I'll pour out a blessing you want everyone not to receive. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'll just stop at those two. He'll pour out a blessing you want room not to receive. So if you don't see the blessing you want room not to receive, you're like, what's up with God? But are we really tithing? Then sometimes we have stuff and we go, well, I don't, I'm, I'm blessed. I got stuff. But how are you really measuring how much you, a devourer is happening in your life? Or do you, you, you excuse it? You know, you know what devourer is like. You have stuff, but it seems like stuff breaking down. Uh, uh, all of a sudden there's a leak in the roof. The radiator broke. Uh, all of a sudden these bills come from out of nowhere. Right? And it's like, I, I can't keep catch up because the more I gain, the more I lose. The scripture says in Haggai, it's like putting money in bags with holes in it. So I'm getting plenty of money. I just can't hold on to it because it's going through the holes. What created the holes? Us not honoring our covenant with God, not trusting God. Right? And see, but you have to be committed to understand no matter what I do for God, he's going to cover me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to fulfill me. All right, so, so and, and, and this is what commitment is. Commitment is, oh, this is good, this is good. When you're out there and you're not doing what you're supposed to do before you commit to God, you're doing whatever dirt you're doing. I'm using dirt, everybody didn't do dirt, but just, just, just for effect, okay? You do that dirt all the time. If you go on vacation, you're doing dirt, right? Right? Like the dirt translates, you could be at work doing dirt. I'm, I'm just using dirt, but try to package it in what I'm saying. But I noticed with God, okay, so we have fast week. Fast week, a lot of people, I commend you, a lot of people locked in. What's, what's, what's the setup sometimes with fast week? You've been so locked in, right after fast week is normally when craziness start happening. You know why? Because you're so far away from fast week. Because you gave yourself a pass. Well, I done did fast week. God should be happy I did that. But we about to set it off now. And normally that's what happened. Right? You actually, you, you take a vacation with the commitment. And then you're like, I don't understand why this stuff is happening. 
No, fast week was supposed to reset you. And now you're closer to committing and setting yourself apart from God. So, of course, you're not going to do fast week your whole life, but you'll live a better fasted life because you've just now you've reset yourself. It's not to go from one extreme to the other because that that's that's what gets us. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Like you know, I was telling somebody uh, this week, uh, you don't mind me saying this, right? Uh, don't don't take a vacation on God, right? That was cool, right? Yeah. All right. So, but what I what I meant was when you when you when you cross out of your normal routine, that you got to be really mindful of God. Enjoy your life. We have a great life. We we have fun. We laugh. We enjoy things. We see movies and stuff like that. We ain't watching all those scenes, but we we we, we enjoy stuff. You know, uh, I you know you guys may think different. Uh, we enjoy music. We just like we like gospel music, and 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 I'll find every type of gospel mu- music I can to make sure it's my flavor. I live for music. I know the effects of music. I know the atmosphere it creates. So I can't. I I'm not. I'm not as strong as some people. I can't listen to the stuff everybody listens to because of what it, what it, how would it affect me, flesh, flesh-wise. So I just listen. Thousands. I got thousands upon thousands of music. So I got upbeat. I got inspirational. I got. I call it mellow praise. It's kind of like mellow. It's like a little bit of beat. But now, you know, I got. I got. You know, I like gospel. I got all types of stuff, and I love it. Because it, it does so, it doesn't just stimulate me, make me feel good like the worldly music did. It, it, it does something for my heart. It empowers me. It encourages me. It makes me faithful. And, and, and listen, this, you, know, oh, you know, these guys know I, I work out. I'm pretty serious about working out. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty diligent, you know. I mean, I crack jokes and stuff, but I'm, I'm not a bad basketball player, right? But all that working out, I got music on. I'm pumped up, I'm lifting. I'm throwing up, listen, I'm probably throwing up every piece of weight on the machine, right? So, obviously, I don't need uh, headbanging music just to to lift weights. I I don't need that. And I'm getting the weights done. But I'm also getting my spirit fed. So, So, again, everybody's not Pastor Keith. That's not what my point is. My point is, have you tried to supplement the things that may be weakening Spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And so it may be weakening you. And so how many people, okay, are sitting here and they, your life is pretty decent, but, but there's, there's, a, there's a pink elephant of tension in the relationship you're in. But you try to keep yourself busy because you really don't want to embrace it because you may break down. See, the reality is you can't control the other person. That's the reality. But you can't intercede. You can't create an atmosphere that moves the other person. If, if David did it with Saul, look, David didn't put his hands on Saul. David didn't shake Saul. David didn't curse Saul out. What David did was he played that heart, created a presence of God, that created the presence of God changed Saul's thinking. It changed. So music 
had a had a, the right music can change some people. But see, what happens is we're in these tough situations, but we're allowing anything to be played in the atmosphere. And that's feeding the flesh of that person. That's dividing you more and more and more. But you feel good, don't you? And that was sarcastic. I just, that, yeah, I know I said I'm working on sarcasm, but that was actually a sarcastic shot right there. I felt that come out that way. Um, so, 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 so I'm just saying, sometimes we have to make the tweaks and adjustments. And then how much are you praying for these people? I mean, like daily? I'm, no, I, when I say daily, I'm not talking about as much as possible. I'm talking about like you eat and brush your teeth. Are you praying for them that much? Right? That's committed passion. All right, so we talked last week about the resilient Christian, and we said re resilience is enduring the seemingly impossible until you push into the possible realm. So that means things are going to seemingly be impossible coming at us, insurmountable. And this could be relationships. This could be opportunities. This could be... Uh, Endeavors like so. I, I, I use me like, uh, which some of y'all know, some of y'all don't know. Well, I ended up. I played college basketball, but I didn't play basketball in high school. You know, I mean, growing up with the foster parents, there was all these little different things I just didn't know. I really didn't want to play basketball. I wanted to play football. So I, I, I told the story. I showed up the first day. They had they had a game that week. I'm like, how do they have a game? Like, when did they get together? But see, you have a parent that te took you was interacting with the coaches where you know they ain't practicing in the summer before you even get into the high school. Well, I ain't had nobody taking me nowhere. So I didn't know that. So I didn't, I didn't play the freshman year. That, that maybe the Lord didn't want me to get a concussion because I, I can't be a wild man when I'm serious about stuff. Um, and same, same thing with basketball. They said they had conditioning. I didn't show up. I thought, I thought it was for you to get in shape. I was like, I'm in shape. <laughs> no, it was just a workout so they can look at you to see scout you you see what I'm saying so 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 I kept going through these ups and downs and low self-esteem uh so I finally walked on to my college team I was just talking to one of the guys that came up to me he said man how are you how are you picked a captain you're not even a recruit I just talked to I ain't taught this guy since college I just talked to him last week and the thing is I had to stay uh resilient I had to keep believing even though I was in a, a situation that wasn't as favorable as other people. I could have just checked out because of what happened in high school. But what I did is I kept working in high school to be prepared for when I got to college. And I remember saying when I was leaving, I'm gonna go to a college, I'm gonna work out with the team, and I'm gonna make the team. I said this when I was in high school. I wasn't even going to church. I just wanted to play basketball. I was committed. And no matter what, I was playing basketball. And, and then I got there. I said, I was looking at scouting who was the coaches. I said, I'm going to play against him, and he's going to ask me to be on the team. You may not remember this, coach, if you look at this, but I, that's what happened. I played against him. He asked me. He said, you want to try for the team? So, so I'm telling you, there's things you can do that may seemingly be insurmountable, but you got to be resilient. In the face of everybody going, you out of your mind uh, going to Charlotte, North Carolina. What are you thinking? It's not even comfortable. You have nothing. It's just you and your wife. You ain't got no money. You ain't got no church. You have no people. 
Why would you go to Charlotte, North Carolina? Because God said. That's why. You got to be resilient. All right. So, so we talked about that. Enduring the seemingly impossible till you push into the possible realm. And so, so, so again, we're talking about a committed, having committed passion, but that com- the commitment finds the life of a finisher. So we got to get, we talked about this last week, you got to get to a place where we're finishing some things, completing some things. Now that's hard. That, all of us, like, like listen, some of us complete some things, but that's hard. It's hard to finish some of these books. I'm talking about the ones you're reading. It's been hard for me to finish the, one, the two I'm writing, but it's hard for us to finish some of the books we read. But you got to, what you're doing is you're training yourself in your inner man to be a finisher. So you may be reading a book, but you could be an athlete. But if you finish reading a book, on the inside, you're a finisher. That's good. See, see, if you discipline yourself to read on the inside, you're disciplined. Your body won't know the difference. So, so at the core, I discipline myself to read, but it translates in discipline in the rest of my life. Because my body don't know whether it's I'm reading the word and my spirit man is disciplined or I'm working on my, my skills in music or I'm, I'm balling or I'm working out or I'm doing artwork or whatever. All my body knows is at the core, we're disciplined. And then what it does is it, 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 it disperses this discipline through everything else I'm doing. So that's why you start at the core. If you're not core, and you're, if you're not disciplined at your core, you're not going to be disciplined in nothing else you do. It doesn't mean you won't be successful, but we're, we're going to talk about something else here today. All right, so, so uh, Matthew 24, 13, I'm just to have you write that down for the sake of time because I know we started a little later. But it says, he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Matthew 24, 13. Matthew 24, 13. It says, he that endures unto the end shall be saved. Now, suppose you decide not to endure. And then you go, nobody saved me. Oh, you got to get to the, listen, you got to get to the, the dock where they're saving people at. You got to keep going until you get to where, where your blessings are waiting on you. So if God has, has I, I, I deemed a time and a place, um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about revisiting this message for the, the uh, dedications. First message I ever taught in this church was uh, there's a place for his grace. So if you study the Bible out, it wasn't just grace or favor, but there was positions and places. You had to get somewhere. See, 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 you, you see Abraham was blessed where he was at, but Abraham only showed up where his dad was supposed to go. But his dad stopped off in Egypt. If you start reading through the Bible, you see they all kept stopping off in Egypt, which just represents bondage. They wouldn't get to where God was telling them to go. They wasn't finishing. They weren't enduring to the end. They were getting distracted either by temptation or distracted by weariness. Right? So there's a place for your grace. And then that's a whole other message. I'll get into that another time. So I'm saying you have to endure. Uh, Mark 4, 17. I'm going to give you the scripture again. For the sake of time, it says, it, it talks about them enduring but for a time. But when persecution and affliction arises, they're offended. That's what happens when God sends you to a house or a place to worship and to grow. It takes time to grow in any relationship. 
You got to go through stuff. Uh, we've been married 26 years. You know, we talk through these things now, but we have to talk through things. We have to grow through things. I, I have to ask, okay, so when you said that, what was you thinking? I right, so when you said that and you was thinking this, let me tell you why I responded this way. Then sometimes I might have to go, hey, okay, I know you, you have this concern. Have you considered these things? Not now, now in the early years, if she, if she shared a concern, which could look like a complaint, it's not a complaint, but it's like, it's something bothering her. Then if anything's bothering her, I'm feeling out that it's an imperfection for me. So now I'm being defensive. What you trying to say? Well, hold on, hold on. Well, you just did this. How you going to come at me like, well, that's the argument. You already know that, right? Right. So what I, what I grew, had to grow to do is, okay, I hear what you're saying. Now, had you, where did that question come from? So, so she'll break it down. Then I say, okay, now how'd you consider these things? And I watch her. She'll, she'll, sometimes she'll go, okay, well, you answered that, but you didn't answer this. And, then if, and, and, you, and the fact that you didn't answer this, do you realize this? And I got to eat it. You know, I apologize, my bad. This is what I'll do to adjust it. Not, I apologize, my bad, leave me alone, don't, let's not talk about it no more. <laughs> that ain't helping nobody because she's still going, okay, well, you, you said you were wrong, but does that mean I'm going to deal with it again? Right? But then on her side, what she does sometimes, I go, had you considered this, that, and the other? I, I've heard her say even recently, you know what? I didn't even look at all that. My bad. I took you through all this. I hadn't considered those things. So, but it's a relationship, right? We, we got to talk it through. We got to grow together. Same thing in the church. It's a relationship. Well, sometimes if, if somebody says something, they're not at your house. They weren't trained the way you were trained. They don't even know your culture. They're not saying something to purposely offend you. They're talking like they talk. Like I slipped and said what I said, but at the funeral, I said that word, the N-word, everybody, it was cool because I was in Newark. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I was, I was a different flow. I say a lot of things that people just flow. Actually, I bother them because I've, 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 I've changed the way I talk coming from Ohio and, 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 and North Carolina. So they're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is we got to understand everybody that we're in a relationship is we got to help them to flow with us. They don't know. They have no idea. They ain't offending you. They flowing like they flow. And, and they don't know it's, it's something that may be a little bit too much to you for you until you mention it. Relationships take a lot of work. I'm going to tell you, the reason why we're, un, we're steadfast, unmovable, and we'll always be together is because we don't, we don't, it costs us a whole lot to be the best friends now. So ain't nobody trying to, like, 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 you, like, like you don't get no cheap tickets to this covenant. <laughs> <laughs> no, this costs a tremendous amount. You see what I'm saying? So that's, you, what relationship is worth it to you? Is God's house worth it to you? Is God worth it to you? Is God's family worth it to you? Because some people, nobody's worth it to you. I'm not making no adjustments. You better figure it out. If you don't figure it out, I'm out of here. And I told her, I said, we got to give people an opportunity to show how much they love us. Sometimes, because sometimes we go overboard. Well, we're going to figure out how to do it for you before you don't figure it out if you want to do it because you love us. We done already came up with the contingency. Well, if you can't do this, we'll do this, 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 that, and the other. And I stopped, I stopped her this week. I said, well, babe, let's give the people an opportunity to, just to, to, to make the effort they want to make. 
this is not church we're talking about. And I said, and if, if, if they can't, then we'll, we got them covered. I said, but we can't like automatically do stuff. I mean, we ain't giving people opportunity to, to, to just express their own love. All right, so I said that to say, it's going to take a relentless effort for us to, to cross over and to get the things God wants us to get. Uh, I, I pulled that word from Jamal in a, uh, a session we was having, and he mentioned, you know, just recognizing uh, being relentless. Um, and, and you said this definition, so I wrote it down. You know, <laughs> I've been paying attention. Um, it's like, we're having a conversation. Why are you taking notes? Because I be learning stuff. <laughs> And uh, you said it's uh, oppressively constant. See, 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 see. Oppression is, is, is a harsh, authoritative treatment. So you're being relentless in the midst of harsh treatment. Unfair treatment. Seemingly, y'all done lost y'all mind treatment. But you're not, see, you wouldn't have to be relentless as everything was easy and comfortable for you. If everything just went your way, was all lined up, you wouldn't need relentlessness. You wouldn't even have that great testimony you're going to have if you didn't go through something. Right? And so, so it's, it's that, uh, see, see, the committed folk have that unmovable faith. It's an unmovable faith in the unseen reality of God's will. See, see, God's will is real, but it's unseen at times. It's hidden at times, and you got to keep pressing to see it manifest. And, but you got to be relentless, have committed passion to cross over into that, that seemingly impossible realm, but it is possible. In the midst of the impossibilities, you have to be relentless. And the thing is, it's not a crime, but some of that relentless training starts when you're a child. They're learning that over there. Some of us haven't been trained to be relentless because as soon as we start whining, ooh, my baby. See, we think that's cute, but you're training people to, anytime they're uncomfortable, comfort is coming first. Comfort is coming second. Comfort is coming third. Comfort is coming only. So now when they grow up and they're mature, when they get uncomfortable, they're looking for comfort. When when the boss is saying, are you crazy? There's no way we can do that. That person is not going to cry like they did to get comfort from you. They're going to curse that person out. They're going to go off. See, you trying to say I ain't all that? No, we ain't talking about all that. We talking about this. That you got to get done. When the coach goes, I mean, that's nice and everything, but that ain't gonna get that. That ain't getting it done. You look it up in the stands, Dad. The coach talked to me crazy. Come on down and check him. <laughs> Dad checks him, but you live like that. Some of these people that you see on TV right now acting a fool. They ain't acting a fool because they're evil people. They're acting a fool because they've been trained that way. If, it, if things don't go my way, I go off. Not I'm relentless. Not I'm, I have committed passion. I just go off until it goes my way. As opposed to dealing with some things, handling some things, forging some character. 
How are you going to get character if you've gone through nothing? When everything is comfortable. When everybody just goes, you're number one. You're number one. You're number one. Hey, you're number one. This person shows up. This person shows up. Hey, they showed up, but you're number one. You're number one. You're like, they're going to spend their whole time. Thousands of people showing up. Okay, uh, I know this. Okay, so, so they showed up, you're number one. They showed up, you're number one. They showed up, 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 you're number one. They showed up, they showed up, they're number one. They spend their whole day comparing you as number one everybody else just so you feel good. You better know you number one and, 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 and operate that way. Right, okay, so, so the scripture talks about being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the faith, right? And that's our 1 Corinthians 15, 15, 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Steadfast, unmovable. See, 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 it's hard. Even the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, it says, uh, my preaching and teaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Man's wisdom, man's philosophies, man's intellect, man's traditions, man's what they say. It says, but was in demonstration of power. It says that your faith should not stand, be unfast, steadfast, unmovable in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. But how do we get to see the power of God? Do we got we to gotta maintain a level of, 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 of uh, stillness and consistency and, 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 and commitment to experience and working it out for good. I mean, the scripture says all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to in harmony with his purpose. If, 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 if I see a scripture that says all things work, work together for good, why would I even need that scripture? Because some things don't look like they're working right. Some things seem crazy. So I would need that word to go, oh, even this will work out for my good because I love the Lord. I'm called according to in harmony with his purpose. So I know this works out for good. And I'm going to be relentless in knowing, okay, nice try. Nice try. You thought you could move me. Nope, 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 nope. I know what God told me. Nope. I, I, I say, I say, that's cute and everything. Ah, smoking mirrors. Thought you got me, thought you got me, but you didn't get me. I know what God told me. But sometimes we're not really locked in on what God told us because we're not spending time with God. We were talking about this. Uh, when Jesus was in the wilderness, it said uh, the, the angels came and ministered to him. And so, so I was telling her, I said, there's some things that's been happening to us. It was, it was, and I said, it's angels ministry. It was ministering to us in the wilderness. So I was talking to another minister in another town. I was like, I said, we, yeah, I said, the church has grown. We've gone through stuff. Sometimes people kicked and screamed because things weren't going their way, and they moved on. I said, but after that, she'll tell you, right after that, God was sent a blessing we wouldn't, in, in a thousand years we wouldn't expect. Every time. Now, now, if you're tripping and God wants you to realize you're tripping, why would God send you a blessing? God was, was ministering angels, using the angels to minister the blessing to let us know, listen, man, you're fine. It's okay. I, I know it's disappointing. I know it hurts. Just keep doing what I told you to do. Just keep, stay locked into what I told you to do. Don't compromise. 
You've been through this when you was young. Stick and stay. I'm going to tell you the reason why I stick and stay because I compromised when I was my sophomore year in high school. Because everybody was, I wasn't doing what everybody was doing. So I just said, well, if you can't beat them, join them. Dumb, 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 and, and double dumb. And so whatever we've gone through, she will tell you, we have not wavered. Because I'm like, no, 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 no. Listen, unless God tell me something different, we're going to stay locked into it. So, so, all right, let me just make sure I get to this. So remember this. God has never asked us to have faith for something he did not promise. God has never asked us to have faith for something he did not promise. The challenge is you got to ask yourself, did God promise you that? Or are you just doing what you want to do? Well, as Stephanie was saying the other week, you know, doing stuff and checking with God later. <laughs> you know, I just do, I did this. It was on Wednesday night. He was like, I did this. And he was like, God, you got me, right? Like, nah, I didn't promise you that. That's something you did. Right. So so and, and this is what brings us. You got to be commitment has these different um, cousins, relentless perseverance. I was just reading through perseverance. It's being steadfast and doing something despite adversity. Perseverance, being steadfast and doing something despite adversity. The scripture tells us in Hebrews 12, one through three, that Jesus endured the cross because of the glory that was set before him. So this, so he, he persevered. All that we saw in the passion of the Christ and stuff like that, um, despite the adversity, he persevered. If you, if you read through Hebrews 11, you know, it's, it's a part of, it's one of the chapters I, I endeavor to read daily. He's like, you keep missing all these chapters. How many chapters? There's a lot of chapters I endeavor to read daily, but Hebrews 11 is one of them, just because it's about faith. But when it, it opens up with, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things by, uh, not seen. Right? It says, oh, 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 okay. It says, now faith. Now faith. Thank you, sweetheart. Uh, this is also now faith, not down the road is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. In, in verse number one, verse number three, it says, we know that the worlds were, shame, were framed for, with things that don't appear. So it's saying that the things in the, in the, in the heaven realm, that's the, the Wednesday night teaching, days of heaven on earth, actually frame the world. So you got to look through faith lenses to even access some of those things that's supposed to influence uh, what's going to manifest in earth realm. Then when you get to verse 6, it says, without faith is impossible to please God. It talks about he's a reward of them that diligently seek him, but we have to know that he is. It says you have to know. You can't be guessing because if you don't know that he is, you're not going to diligently seek him and you won't receive the rewards. Right? So without faith is impossible to please God, and it makes a lot of sense because God goes, I know I'm in the unseen realm. Only way we're going to flow in harmony consistently is if you are looking through faith lenses, faith lenses. But then when you get uh, down to uh, verses 7 through 12, the whole chapter is powerful. It said that uh, their lives, uh, their lives uh, testified that perseverance is possible. See, if you go through all the stories of faith, whether it's Abraham, Sarah, and Gideon. Gideon had 30,000. God reduced it down to 300, and they took out an army. And all these people are doing these things by faith, but it shows you perseverance is powerful. 
hanging in there is powerful. It may seem insurmountable, but it's powerful. So you want to read through that just to kind of feed yourself some perseverance. Because we persevere by faith, but we also persevere by God's word, his will, what God tells us. We're playing off of, we talked about it last week, you know, everything in your life plays off, did God tell you? See, once God told you, when it get crazy, you can say, I know what God said. And you might say, well, I've been trying to hear from God. Well, how hard have we been trying to hear from God? See, so, so when we go, I was sharing this with somebody in another state, but when we, when we wake up every day, we live this life and we got Bibles and we're reading and we pray and things, all the things you talk about in a church, a lot, you know, people sometimes will try to wrestle with good or bad because that's what we're taught in the world. Is that good or is that bad? So there's a lot of things. Okay, so if you run a street light, is that good or bad? Most people will say that's bad, right? But if the wife is pregnant, the hospital's five minutes away, the child's coming out in two minutes, and you run the light, do you think the police officer's going to give you a ticket? He probably will escort you to the hospital. So in that particular case, I guess running a street light isn't bad. So my point is, let's... I, what I try to focus on, I did this in, in when I did college ministry, campus ministry. I, 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 they would always, is that good? You trying to, is that bad? And I was like, oh, don't box me under that. Let's talk about what's best. First Corinthians six twelve. All things are lawful, but not expedient or not best. And I said, and it's real simple. We talk about fighting to see. It's best to be able to see. It's best to be able to see clearly. It's best to be able to to be so clearly, to see and hear so clearly that you, you can almost see God. But if you can't see him, you definitely know he's there and you can hear his voice. It's a still small voice because God is not competing with all the other noise. I mean, imagine a, a crowded room, God shows up and hey, 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 hey. I can see him just I mean, God is way beyond me, but I'm like that. If I'm talking and a bunch of people talking to compete, I'll just be quiet until they finish. What I, I, I think what I have to say is important. I'll wait till they finish talking so they have, I have their undivided attention. Well, God has a still, small voice for a reason. But it's set up where you got to cut out all the noise to hear. But we bring in noise. I did a teaching a long time ago at a church, you know, uh, in, uh, a church I was visiting called who's got your ear and the foundation of scripture was psalm one it says walk not in the counsel of the godly nor standing in the way of sinner nor sit in the seat of the scornful but your delight should be in the law of the lord and in that law should you meditate day and night and whatsoever you do you'll prosper right mm -hmm. so it says walk not in the counsel of the godly nor stand in the way of the sinner nor sit in the seat of the scornful what it's saying is who are you giving your ear to who, when you're sitting around folk, are they saying things that's going to help you to hear clearly and see clearly? To know that God is real. Or do you hear more stuff that's going to have you question God, doubt God, not be able to hear his voice? Right? Or you get more comfort in doing the compromise. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we, sit, we, we hang around people that's comforting our compromise so we don't feel bad about it. But all you're doing is getting people to comfort you in impairing your vision or your ability to hear God. So when you say you can't hear God, you, you got to ask yourself, are you fighting to hear God? Have you, uh, you know, there's, there's video out there that we've done how to hear from God. 
or you meditate on that over and over and over until you hear God. You see what I'm saying? Like, so, so when you say I don't hear God, sometimes I just can't hear God. That's almost like saying it's hard for me to read. And just leave it at that. Or worse, I'm not a reader. Now you realize, like, these are things that you work to do. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, it's, th- these are not guaranteed byproducts of birth. <laughs> like, you have to work to do. Like, I'll be honest, uh, 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 these two guys can jump pretty good. But when I was coming up, I couldn't jump a lick. That wasn't, when I came out of the womb, I wasn't leaping. I had to work. I ran in weight jackets. I ran hills. I ran high rises daily to just to get a 37-inch vertical. But, you know, back then, you know, Dominique was lifting, jumping like 40-something inches. That's just how high you jump, you know, how you jump on just two feet. Um, but I had to work to do that. That wasn't a, I, that, just like height. Like that wasn't, I didn't get that in the package. You know, I didn't get six, five, nothing like that. You know, <laughs> five, 10 and three quarters, you know, got to add the three quarters, All right? But what I'm saying is reading is like that. It's not something, first of all, I'm, I'm an avid reader, but I used to never read. I'm talking about, I only read in school because I had to, first of all, I had a good recall. So I rarely studied. So I definitely wasn't training myself to read back then. I really started reading when I became a serious Christian. I read all the time now. But I noticed the more I read, the easier it was. So it takes work, right? Praying. Ain't Listen, first time they talked about praying for an hour, I was listening to uh, Z. Because I was trying to, get my, trying to get in, you know, right? I was like, Z probably going to pray the whole hour. You know, not, it wasn't bad. It was great prayer. But I was like, she rolling because you, you left the, you probably left everybody on the phone and everything right it's five o'clock in the morning prayer so I was like because I was hovering I was hovering between warming up to play and slipping into the bathroom so I can get my prayer in too right I was like nah based on this momentum she's gonna be praying for a while and it might not have been an hour you might have prayed a half hour 40 minutes but you, you, this, this was uh, Friday <laughs> this was Friday just, just to remind you you was rolling no oh, no nah, nah, this is recently yeah, no, no, he said, no, he said, this is Friday. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I remember a time when somebody said, pray an hour. Man, you got to be crazy, man. A whole hour? What are we going to come up with? How many things you can come up with in an hour? But praying for praying an hour is like nothing now. But it was work. You understand what I'm saying? So don't, don't excuse yourself on, I can't because I haven't. I told players that all the time. I can't, I can't jump. No, you haven't jumped. I can't remember all the plays. No, you haven't remembered all the plays. I'm just not a good shooter. You haven't been a good shooter. Oh, we can work on that too. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so, so let's shift excusing ourselves uh, from committed passion, right? I thought I slipped that in there. So, so this is the thing. This, this committed passion, this perseverance and relentlessness is going to take uh, patience and Active patience. Patience, I know that's hard. So patience is what we call passive endurance. Patience, so I'm being patient, but it's, I'm enduring, but I'm, it's, I'm, I'm just, like be still and know that I'm God. That would be passive endurance, right? Active patience is perseverance. 
So I'm still patient, but I'm doing something. Yeah, I'm active. I mean, I'm, I'm pressing, I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm studying, I'm doing stuff like that. That's active patience, right? You see the difference? All right, so 1 John 2. 1 John 2. When we first started the church, I'll be transparent with you. You know, you had so many different people coming from different cultures. So you had the people that came from a culture where the, the service would be like 17 hours. I mean, not 17 hours. It's not nice. Uh, what service would start at 10 and be over at 3, 3 or 4. So you had, you had those are representing the audience. Then you had the people that uh, maybe – either Catholic or certain backgrounds, in and out. Service started at 10, they out by 11.30. Without fail. Uh, then you had the people that discern, that most of the service was announcements, activities, songs, and a 15-minute sermon. Now, the Word was the least amount of the service. God's Word. And they had to hang on that 15-minute sermon for the whole week because during the week they didn't really have service they had uh might have prayer meetings and things of that nature testimonies and stuff like that so so imagine all week you get in the world on sunday you get 15 minutes of what god has to say and so when people were getting more than 15 minutes you know they would the wheels was falling off almost like dude you just went 15 minutes. That's, that's it. Why, why are you sharing anymore? Who wants to hear any more of what God's saying? They weren't saying that. It was really, who, who wants to hear more of what you're saying? And so it was a stretch. But we have to be consistent with what God said because the word is the most important thing that's hinged on our life. And really, this ain't enough. Uh, Lewis talked about it. Getting the CDs and and SoundCloud, we got to meditate on it. The scripture says meditate on the word day and night. Joshua 1 8. Day and night. Well, how do I do anything else? You could do stuff. I was at the gym last night. I ran into the Baileys. I was at the gym last night. I was, I was doing my sets and was reading the word in between sets. You could do it. Wait on the car wash, you could read. Keeping it real, you could read on commercials. There's so many little nuggets of places you can read. Waiting to get your food at the restaurant. You can read. It's just, it's maximizing your moments. You can read. Because I, I, I have to enjoy life too. It, lately it hasn't been a whole lot of enjoyment because all the stuff we got to do. But, 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 but the goal is to enjoy life. I mean, I know we've been a little more busy. Um, but so, so what I'm saying is, is try to shift to those things so, so you don't find yourself in this category. First John 2. All right, verse 18. It says, little children, it is the last time. It is the last time. It says, and as, as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now, are there many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time? He's just talking about the last days, right? Verse 19, it says, they went out from us. So he's saying these people that became antichrist basically was flipped or perverted or converted or twisted. That's what the word wicked means, twisted. It says, they went out from us. 
So these people that was that was with us, right? It says, but they were not of us, right? Then it says, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued committed passion with us. It says, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now, what it's saying is, it's like, this whole, this is the, the gauge is committed passion. And, and if you locked in and committed passion and you're all in and you've given all yourself, you're not so easily pulled out of the, the, the body of Christ, the presence of God, your consistency in the kingdom of God. And, and so, 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 you know, we've had situations where people, you know, they was rolling and all of a sudden they decide they're gone. And people sometimes take that, oh, my God, something has to be wrong with the house. Nothing wrong with the house. They might have never really been all in. They didn't tell you all their business. Not because they needed to be. Not because everything is about heirs. It might might just not be the house. But but what I'm saying is that committed passion, even in the kingdom, you know, people fall away. People can fall away so easy. My wife always said this. She says, how are they ever connected? You know, because we know some situations that, that we've been in where, uh, preachers have lost their minds and people have no longer they, not only did they stop going to that church they don't go to no church and we know a lot of people that's in that category this is a huge ministry and so my wife said in some situations not all in some situations she says well like how could people leave God you know men and women of God may trip but how God it kind of shows where people are already with God in some cases you know that's not me putting nobody down but that's just 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 to realize so it's going to take some endurance here so you're gonna have to we're gonna have to be able to handle blessings I'm, uh, uh, I'm gonna end with this last section here so we can get out of here but it says uh we have to we're gonna have to be handle blessings persecution and challenge with humility so we're gonna have to avoid overconfidence a lot of people fall out of the things of God because they get overconfident you know, Scripture says uh, in Psalm nineteen thirteen, David said, "Keep me away from presumptuous sins." The word presumptuous means overconfident. See, see, I, I'm going to stay committed if I'm overconfident. If I'm not overconfident, if I'm overconfident, I might think I don't need the same level of commitment. I might start taking things for granted. Like I don't play around with with with, with God, with communion and covenant. Those are the pillars that your life. Or, or hinge on I don't play around with my communion with God my covenant with my wife and I, I live daily to, to almost as if I just met her I live daily as if I just met God but I don't live like well, I'm pretty much got God we good now I, I can chill oh psh, Melly ain't going nowhere <laughs> I, I'm going to flow different don't you think I mean, I'm not trying to, I mean, you flow different if you kind of like, but, but it, think of how, okay, think of how you feel if you think you're going to lose something. You know, just, I, I know it'd be a little uncomfortable to, to reflect on it, but think about when you thought you was going to lose something. Think about the, the, the diligence you operated at, at that time. That wasn't supposed to be just for that moment. That's, you're supposed to be a living sacrifice. We're supposed to be operating that level of committed passion as, as a lifestyle. We're supposed to be playing off God and our commitment to him as a lifestyle. The Bible says, watch out lest you fall. 
1 Corinthians 10, 12. So, so, so I'll share this piece with you. We have to avoid the illusion of arriving. The illusion of arriving. I'm going to share this. I know this is going to be on video, but uh, I was, I was, I was uh, visiting a town, and I was with some real good friends. And so we were talking, and we were talking about as we were growing, and we were talking about God, what, God, what we believe God's going to do in our lives. So, of course, I was, you know, one day I knew I was going to minister. Well, I believed I was going to minister. So I was like, man, one day I'll minister. This guy was building, one guy was building church. He wanted to build churches. The other guy wanted to be a pilot. Now, all three of us are doing those things. So one guy flies around the world. The other guy builds churches. Um, so we all met last time I was out of town. And we were sitting there talking, but it, it wasn't three of us originally. It was four of us. And so we were sitting around talking one day. This was a long time ago. And we were talking about, well, I'm believing for this and believing for that. So we asked the one guy, hey, so, so what do you, what do you, What's, what's God going to do in your future? He said, uh, and I might not be doing it right, and I'm being humorous. Uh, he was like, well, uh, guys, um, actually, I'm not really uh, believing for nothing right now um, because uh, I've arrived. <laughs> and so they just mentioned this the other day. We was cracking up laughing. They mentioned it the other day. But when I heard it, it's reminding me of how people flow. He just said what a lot of people on the, in their inner side think. That they think they've arrived. You have to avoid the illusion of arriving. That's when the overconfidence starts. And when you see some of these people crash. I mean, people have crashed having uh, ministries with 25,000 members. I mean, you would think. I don't want to lose that. <laughs> but people have crashed in phenomenal businesses phenomenal careers but they got overconfident you know they took things for granted destroyed families because they took things for granted so we have to avoid that thinking you've arrived when you should still be present realize this presumption of overconfidence is an enemy to passion presumption is an enemy to passion and so this is the thing. Many believe that achievements have cleared them from any further accountability or responsibility. So we achieve things in categories and levels. I deal with this because I talk to so many different people at so many different levels. And the, the hardest people I work through are people that have great achievements. And I'm not saying all of them because I know some people that have maintained their humility in Christ because they're not tripping. They just figure... Nobody's done this. But they, you, you, can, you can be set up to think that bleeds into every aspect of your life. And I'm not dogging this. Well, I won't say the person's name. But this is uh, this top athlete, a basketball player. And these businessmen pay $15,000 to spend the day with him. So by the, with all the people that came, he probably left with millions. They just wanted to spend a day. So they play ball together. With this, 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 is, this is a top athlete. Play ball together. They ate together. They played, you know, they could have played spades together. And they just, just they spent to have a day. So at the end, they did a rap session. And so the person's up there now. The person is a phenomenal basketball player. First few questions was like, so uh, I'm dealing with this with my son. How do you think I should handle it? Then another person said, well, I'm dealing with this with my daughter. How do you think I should handle it? Well, I'm dealing with this. They didn't ask him about basketball. And so he's answering the question as if scoring 40 points 
makes you a great father. I, I'm not saying he wasn't a great, that, that wasn't my point. My point is, think about it. There's something inside that person that says my achievement qualifies me to, to, to consult with people at every level. But it doesn't. It's not it. We stay busy for that reason. I, I, have, I could have people that will be honest enough with you, vulnerable enough with you to tell you that that ain't the case. The challenge is the people that don't realize one doesn't have nothing to do with the other. And so that's, that's we have to watch that because God, uh, 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 I won't mention his name, but this person was a, a, a phenomenal coach. Won Super Bowls and everything. They interviewed him. So, 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 what are you doing now? Well, you know, uh, retired, doing vacation. One thing I regret, I won the Super Bowls at the expense of my family. If I had to do it over, I would have kept the family. Because the only time people really would acknowledge the Super Bowls is if he get around football, people and show his ring. If he stay in that circle, he's fine. But if he goes outside the circle, and at this day, it, at this age, this particular coach, somebody, some of y'all don't even know him. <laughs> and some of y'all don't even care about football. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But your family can, 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 it's supposed to transcend with you to your communion and your covenant. Last scripture, or we'll get into it next week, Matthew 6.33. That's our committed passion scripture. Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's his way of doing things. It says, and, and all these things will be added to you. So in our life, we have to do kingdom work first. Now, this, not, this is not the only way to look at kingdom work, but I, I, for here, for what we're talking about, kingdom work is communion with God and your covenant first. Obviously, if you get your, your covenant together, that's going to pour into your family. If, if, if your husband and wife are in harmony, they'll pour into their family. So it's, it's your two pillars is your communion with God and, and your covenant. Now, if you're not married, obviously, you've merged the two. It's your communion with God and your covenant with God because you're not in a marriage. These things, and I was sharing this with a young man this week. I, I was like, when you put those lenses on, everything else is in proper place. First of all, think about building uh, a dream or a business and stuff like that. You can build, and I've shared this before, on this foundation right here. We could build another story, probably. People drive by, man, they built airs and got two, it's two stories high now. Jarrell, two stories. Then you come by, and next week it's three stories. Then it's four stories. When it get to four stories, and maybe even three, something's happening underneath this ground that we can't see. The, the, the foundation wasn't designed for more than one story. So, but it'll look nice, right? For a while, people go, man, that one church, man, they built four stories. I ain't seen a four-story church in all of Charlotte. Then we build another story and another story. For years, people are going around, man, I go to the six-story church. Yeah, 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 I'm a part of Ayers Christian Center, six-story. You know, six stories, one building, Right? Then they come by the next day and it's caved in. Mm -hmm. 
it didn't, the cave-in didn't start that day. It started as soon as we started adding levels to a weak foundation. And that's the thing. People can still grow and be successful with a weak foundation. It can still look like it's all right with a weak foundation. But eventually it's going to cave in. So that's why we put all our effort in the unseen, the unfavorable, the wilderness, the uncomfortable times in our life. We put all our work in that. that the, the times when we have to have more humility, when it looks embarrassing, when it looks like your numbers aren't as high, when it looks like you don't have the same buildings and things like that. No, you, you're working on the foundation. You're doing a, a Noah. Yeah, they talking about you because you're building an ark, but you, you don't care. You, the ark was the foundation. That wasn't even a big deal. The big deal was it was about the flood and we were going to be saved. So he had to deal with the humility for years. I, I don't know. Was, some people said seven. Some people said 13 or whatever years it took him to build the ark. You said 25. There's a lot of years. That's embarrassing. It had never rained. But he dealt with the humility while everybody, you got people close to him was like cracking jokes, side comments, questions, because they want to be rock stars. Like, like, when is this getting done? So you got to be able to, to, to weed through all those things to make sure your, 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 your character, that's the unseen you, is so strong Whatever you comes at you, whatever is piled on, you can handle the weight. And it takes committed passion to be patient enough to build the foundation for what God has been telling you for years. You don't get fulfillment at your convenience. I, I'm, I'm not putting nobody down. I, I get it. It's hard. I'm not. I, listen. And we'll try within the last few weeks or so to share a lot of stuff so you can get a, a picture of, of how excruciating that times has been for us. I get it. It's hard, but it's worth it. I get it, man. Yeah, but I tried this before. Listen, I, 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 was, I was just sharing with somebody. I was, uh, I was in a living relationship for six years. Yeah, your pastor made dumb mistakes, too. Right, so, but I can't go, well, I tried this before. First of all, my wife wasn't there. I know y'all tried this church stuff before, but guess what? There's, there's one thing I know wasn't there. Pastor Keith and Pastor Mel. I know this for a fact. You only had to tell me. We weren't there. But sometimes we're pulling in some of those situations but, but remember, God wants you to have faith for what he's promised, what he's purposing you to do. And you got to go into every situation. Listen, I, we've been hurt by church members. We've been hurt by pastors. We've been hurt by everything. But that's not what, that hasn't changed our relationship with you guys. We've given people opportunities and they sabotage us and threw it back in our face. But it ain't stopped us from empowering people. I'm not... <laughs> That's you. I'm not, I'm saying it from the perspective of 
I'm not, we're not asking, God is not having us to ask you something that he hasn't asked us to do too. We've said this a long time ago. Everybody in this building has the potential to hurt us. Y'all can hurt us. You know why? Because we all in. We're not, we'll commit to you once we see your commitment. No, 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 no. We're doing a Jesus move. Well, not Jesus because we're not getting on the cross like him. But we're, we're all in. We, 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 our lives on the line. You can, you can talk about us. You can do it. You can reject us, whatever. You can hurt us. But some of y'all, we don't want to hurt, but we wouldn't be able to hurt if we tried. Because you're still under that, that protective custody. <laughs> but this is what I'm saying. You are blocking out hurt, but you're also blocking out fulfillment and help. We were talking about relationships. I said, well, in some situations, the person that people are supposed to be with, they can't even see them because they're hiding. You got to start with what, if God says that the person, now you got to be all in. If God says this to church, be all in. You see what I'm saying? If God says that's the job, be all in. Deal with it. If that's the ministry, be all in. It's committed passion. Jesus didn't have no guarantees is what I'm saying. Well, to him he had guarantees because he trusts the guarantor. But you understand what I'm saying? Like, but he went in, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. I said, so, so it's, 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 it's because as things get hot, higher, higher, as there's more population, as there's more skill sets, people could panic. People could panic and start, start a, what, what do you call it? Start a stampede. Well, not stampeding, but you know, like you, when you get urgent, you're like, you get anxious. You're almost like you're reacting and you're running. People can do all that. Yeah, you get zeal or, or you get affinities. You could do that. But when you're locked in, you have a knowing that this is what God told me. And I'm excited about everybody doing what God told them. Right? That's how we're going to have to grow and flow. And I'm not just telling you that because I'm the pastor. I've had to do that for years. Uh, y'all won't have, to, won't have to do it that long because I'm mindful of y'all. You know, with me and Mr. Sammy's talking yesterday, I was like, like, I pay attention. I'm, 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 I don't know everything, but I'm mindful. Like, I was in a situation where a person forgot about me. <laughs> like, but you're responsible. You're be watching my soul. Don't forget, don't, don't forget me. I'm, I'm not offended. I'm just, I'm just saying Maybe that, you know, they weren't taught that, you know, that wasn't mean that they were evil or not like that. But they, these were their actual words. This wasn't me guessing. This was their actual words. I have it on video. Uh, they forgot about me. I'm not forgetting. I pray for y'all every day. I'm not forgetting about you. Right? So just know, find out what God said. Stay locked in. Be committed. And watch what God does. But if you compromise no one's going to condemn you. No one's going to put you down. Don't complain. Don't complain. Don't stop coming to church. Don't start saying, I can't believe God, God did this. No, you're compromising. So say, hey, well, I'm compromising right now, so I know I ain't supposed to get what I'm supposed to get, but I'm just hanging there until I reset. Right? Expect if you're committed. Look for it. I'm telling you, look for it. And this is an atmosphere that's been set up. There's more stuff happening. If you just adjust your heart to commitment, I guarantee you stuff happen this week. 
I guarantee you. And, and oh, here you go, these preachers. If you've been at the church, I ain't just, I'll just be saying stuff. I'm not stupid. God will strike me down if I just start talking. You know, just, hey, this feels good. What do you think, Michelle? I'll just say this, throw this little uh, quote out there. No, we can't roll like that. You got to stay locked in, spend time with him. As he leads, he gives an unction. Sometimes he gives an unction. Sometimes he gives an impartation. Sometimes he'll give a prophetic word. Sometimes a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Sometimes he'll use the body to share stuff and you got to confirm it. Sometimes you got to add the detail to it. There's so many different ways God is trying to move. Sometimes he'll mention a name and make a statement. I was talking to him the other day. He said, well, you said such and such. I was like, when? He said, you grabbed my hand and you said this exact, these exact words. I was like, I did? I said, well, let me just tell you, that was not me. Because I wasn't paying attention to that. All right, so we're, 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 we're being set up. Let's stand on our feet. I'll 